Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. We're in the book of 3rd John, almost all the way at the back, an obscure little book. The only thing that separates it from Revelation is another obscure little book named Jude. So go all the way to the back, find that epistle, that third epistle of John. In this little series, I've got three messages, and I'm going to hold myself to three if I possibly can. This is number two from this little book, and I've entitled this small series, if you will, Church People. Church People. Man, you say those words, it conjures up images in your mind what a church person is, doesn't it? And the world certainly has an opinion of what a church person is. How I many of y'all will admit that you watched Saturday Night Live ever in your life when you were growing up? Man, I used to look forward to Saturday nights, pick Saturday Night Live. I was studying through this, I thought about the church lady. Y'all remember church chat? Dana Carvey would do the church lady. Man, I think that's the world's impression of what church people are. She would always, that pompous, pious, holier-than-thou attitude. Well, well, isn't that, what would she, isn't that special? She would always say... <laughs> wonder who could be causing that. I wonder who's behind that. Could it be Satan? That's what she would say. And I wonder if that isn't the world's view of what a church person really is. You know, I'm not so concerned about what the world's view is. I'm really concerned about what the Lord's view is. What is it that he wants of us and what does he expect us to be? And what should we be? The premise is this, and I believe it's true. There are only really three types of people in the church. There are only really three. And you'll find them here in this little epistle. Cautionary word, we'll find a bit of them in every one of us. As you look at them, you're going to find some of the attributes of these people in yourself. Every one of them. You won't pass a one that you don't see some of it in and of yourself. Man, as we study through these three types of people, I dare say you'll find, find yourself in one place for the most part. I want you to write this down. This series is for me. I'm going to say that each three weeks. I said it last week. I'm going to say it this week especially. This series is for me. It's not about somebody else. It's not about, hey man, I'm glad so-and-so's here. They needed to, bless God, preacher, they needed to hear that today. I've been waiting on you to preach that message just so they'd hear it. And here they are under the divine providence of God. They made it today on the day they needed most in their life. They heard what they needed to hear. Man, it's not about somebody else. I had one pastor tell me he was preaching uh, on this little book, Diotrephes, and he said, I had a guy come out the back door mad as a bull, grab me by the lapel, and say with his teeth gritted, why didn't you just call me by my name in there in church today? And he said, beloved, I think the Holy Ghost might have been saying something to him. He said, I had no idea. So as we go through this, especially today, I'm going to have to reach and, and grab my own lapel, I think, as we... Walk through this second message. We saw the first type last week. In the person of Gaius. Many say the pastor of this local church in question. He is what I call the helping person. The word in verse 8. Fellow helper captures who he is. It tells the tale. 
He's that guy that you want around you. He's that guy that's going to further the ministry of the church. He's that guy that's going to further the Lord Jesus in your life. He's that guy that's positive. He's that guy that's upbeat. He's that guy that just loves all the time. He's that guy that does it for Jesus' sake. Guys, man alive, a partner, a helping person in the ministry. Am I a helper? Check your relationships. Are they based on love? Are they based on longing for the best in other people's life? Check your reputation. What is it, your spiritual reputation? What is that thing that folks say consistently? Not just once. I'm not talking about the moment. I'm talking about what is it that folks say of you consistently? What is your spiritual reputation? Check your resume. Is it marked by faithfulness? Is it marked by focus? that Jesus, the name of Jesus is why you do what you do. Are you a fellow helper, a cooperator with other people in furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ, that helping person? Today, we see the second type of person, and I call him the hindering person. You might even call him the haughty person. That pride-filled, self-centered person who is nothing but a hindrance, beloved, at best, to the work of God in the church, and in the lives of his people, his name is Diotrephes. You know what that means? That means nourished or fed by Jupiter. You know who Jupiter was? He was the king, quote unquote, of all the Roman gods. So here even his name betrays his attitude. Preeminence and pride fill who he is. Let's read 3 John 9 through 11. John says, I wrote unto the church... But Diotrephes, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, in other words, I'm, I'm going to be there. He might have torn up the letter that I sent, but I'm going to be there one of these days face to face with him. And I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that alone, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. John had no doubt sent itinerant preachers by there and said, they'll take care of you, they'll feed you, they'll give you a gift and send you on your way. And Diotrephes didn't like the people he was sending by. He wouldn't allow them to come into the church. And anybody who helped them, he made it his business to make sure they were cast out of the church as well. Look at verse 11. What a truth. And an assessment, a clear assessment we have. Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Here's John. He's characteristic of these opposite truths that he sets beside one to another. These polar opposite truths. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Now listen, he that doeth good, say those three words with me, is of God. But he that doeth evil, say those four words, hath not seen God. Diotrephes. I wrote this down. Pride is perhaps the, and pray for me, I'm preaching to myself this morning. This is a message I just don't even want to hear. But it's what God's given me. Pride is perhaps the greatest hindrance in existence to the work of God in the Christian life and to the work of God in the church. I don't know of anything the devil uses more greatly than human pride. I think it's the thing that's the cog in the wheel. It's the thing that most oftentimes causes the most damage in the life of Christians and certainly in the life of the church. A few thoughts. Pride, first of all, I wrote this down. Do you know pride is very dangerous? It's always destructive. Always is. I heard a story of 
of two ducks and a frog who lived happily together on a farm in a pond. Man, they enjoyed one another's company and they frolicked and played together in their little watering hole. It came a hot day, the hot dog days of summer, and they realized that their pond was drying up. And before very long, it became very obvious they were going to have to find a new place to live. Well, this was very easy for the ducks because, you see, they could fly and they could just get up in the air, find them another pond and, and land there and, and just have the time of their life. But they worried about their buddy, the frog, so they devised a plan. It was suggested that they, that they get a stick and each hold one end of it in their beak and the frog could grab it with his mouth in the middle and there the three of them would fly off until they found a pond and man, they could land there and they could all be together having the time of their life again. Man, this plan worked beautifully. They took off. They were flying along and the old farmer outside saw what was happening. And he remarked out loud to himself, My, what an industrious, ingenious plan. I wonder who in the world thought of that. And at that moment, the frog said, I did. How I many of y'all hear me? Doesn't Proverbs say to us, what does it say? Pride goeth what? For a fall. And it talks about a haughty spirit. Bringing about swift and quick destruction to your life. Pride is a dangerous and deadly, deadly thing in your life and in the life of a church. Listen, if you want to destroy your life, if you want to see yourself in danger, if you want to put yourself and your loved ones in the path of destruction, let me say, tell you this, go ahead and get fixed on yourself. Go ahead and get fixed on your stuff. Go ahead and get fixed on your talent. Go ahead and get fixed on your things. Go ahead and get fixed on your way. And you're going to court a self-centered, haughty, prideful attitude that's going to bring destruction into your life every time. Pride is a destructive thing. Secondly, pride is also a dismal thing. How many of y'all enjoy being around a prideful person? I mean, is there anybody in here that just jumps up and down whenever you're in the company of a prideful person? Man, I'm going to tell you the most dismal place you'll ever be is in the presence of a haughty, prideful person. Somebody who knows everything about everything and somebody who doesn't care to tell you that they know everything about everything. Doesn't matter what you're talking about. They're going to talk about what they want to talk about and they're not going to give you a chance to get a word in edgewise. We'll see in a little bit one of the words that John uses is the word for blabber mouth. And that's what a, a prideful person really is. You can't shut them up, man. They're talking all the time and it's dismal. It's a dismal thing to be around them. I met a friend of mine at the IHOP some months ago for breakfast. It's a thing we do when we can just to catch up and, and just to have the time of our lives. We sat down and the guy that was seated next to us at the IHOP started talking and he didn't shut up for an hour and a half. You say, Pastor, did you know him? No, I still don't know him and I don't want to. How many of y'all here? Hey, I don't. I'm just honest with you. He talked about himself. He talked about his abilities. He talked about what he could do. He worked for the mall over there. He talked about how dumb his boss was. He said, I don't ever work, and they pay me all the time. He talked about how foolish the engineers were that put that together. Now, does he have an education? Oh, no, but I'm smart enough not to need one. I mean, oh, hey, that's what he was telling us the whole time. He ruined my hotcakes and my fellowship right there at the IHOP. How many of y'all here? Hey, the only thing I liked that he said, said after an hour and a half is I've got to go. I said hallelujah and praise be unto God. He's got to go. Man drives you batty. 
be around somebody like that. Man, you adopt a prideful spirit and you wonder why people are dump, jumping into door jams and hiding under stuff when you're coming. If you wonder why people are avoiding you, you better check your spirit. Maybe you've got that haughty, prideful spirit about you. It's dismal to be around somebody like that. Thirdly, I want you to see that this old spirit is what I call devious. It can slip in on you. It can slip in undetected. It comes in a little bit at a time. And you don't even know it's there. And man, once it takes root in your life, it is next to impossible to eliminate it from your life. It's a devious thing. Now, don't be too judgmental this morning. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a bit of diatrophies in everybody in this house today. There's a bit of this in everybody who's ever drawn breath. So don't you get too judgmental to think you've got to a place that you've got this licked. It exists even in the, the choicest of servants. I read a lot, and not just me, but many people over the years have read after Dr. Harry Ironside. One of the greatest exegetical people I know. Uh, very sound, very simple. If you want to know what the Word says, he's a master of laying it out there for you. A story was told on one occasion that he became convicted about what he called his lack of humility. And a friend suggested to him that maybe he walk out into the streets with a, with, with a sandwich sign on. He lived in Chicago. And maybe sandwich sign on with some scripture verses writ, written on both sides of it. And he challenged him just to walk up and down the streets of Chicago shouting those scripture voices to the top of his lungs and thereby take all that berating and all that insulting and all that down speech that comes from the people who don't know the Lord. So he took the friend's advice and did this thinking some how it would help him in his humility and certainly had a rough day of it and when he came in and sat down he tells the story of himself he said the first thought that crossed my mind when I got back in my place that day was this I bet there's not another man in town who would have done that how many of y'all hey it'll creep in on you beloved and once it does it's tough to eradicate it it's a devious devious thing Pride, the spirit of diatrophy, something that we need to pay attention to, something that we need to, to look at. So John here calls him by his name, and here is diatrophies, what I call this dismal disease of pride personified. John isn't careful to say, Gaius, yes, there's who you need to follow after, but diatrophies, no, 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 no. Three things today we need to consider about this prideful church person. First thing is his attitude. You need to mark what the attitude of the prideful is. It's very clear here. Pride has in and of itself a distinct attitude. He says, I wrote unto the church in verse 9, but Diotrephes, and this next phrase is telling, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth not. He loves to have the preeminence among them. That word preeminence is, is interesting. It means this, he loves to be the leader. He loves to be the head of something. He loves to be first. One writer rendered it this way, he's very fond of being first. Now who isn't? Let's just be honest. I mean, who, isn't it? who in here it isn't that it likes to be first? I mean, all of us are fond of being first. 
Man, you be around a bunch of kids, you see that it's innate in us that they be first, man. They want to be first in line. They want to be first to do something. Whenever something comes up, you hear them screaming, I call first. Hey, I got first, man. I mean, they figure if they call it, and somehow this code is honored. There's never a fight about it. If somebody calls first, everybody acquiesces and, and lets them go first. But a kid learns that early on. You never hear anybody saying, I'll call last. I'm going to go last, beloved. I've never heard anybody say that out loud. You never hear anybody say, hey, I'm riding in the back of the car. No, what does everybody say? Hey, I got shotgun, man. I want to be in the front, beloved. And that's that prideful spirit of diatrophies. And don't get too hard on kids and teenagers, man. Adults, we do it too. If I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of y'all will go out to eat this afternoon, drive your wife to the door, and let her out so she can go in and put your name on the list in front of all those other sorry people that's parking out there? Man, I'd hate to see how many of you drink. Hey, you're going to steam right up to the door and say, Honey, get out, acting like you're being chivalry and all this stuff, acting like you're worried about her walking. But know what you're worried about is I want to be ahead of some folk. On the restaurant list, man. And heaven forbid a bus pulls in while you're parking. Oh, my soul, man. I was in the parking lot the other day, and man, this wonderful little elderly couple got out of the car beside me. I saw two buses pulling in the parking lot. He saw them too. He screamed out, Dad, Jimmy, I told you I should have drove you to the door. And man, he took off like Carl Lewis running a 110-yard sprint up to that door, bro. Left her standing there. Man, can't have them bus people getting it. Good night, man. Can't have that. Why? We got to be first. Man, it's in all of us, I know. But I'm going to tell you the implication in here about diatrophies is this. He will do anything or he will do anybody to make sure that he is first. That's the attitude of the prideful. That's the attitude that comes out in the prideful. I want you to note who he elevated himself above. Who he wanted to be above. And this will tell the tale. He wanted to be above Gaius for sure. He bulldozed him on every hand's turn. That's why John wrote this letter. He was saying, Gaius, don't you put up with that. Don't you stand for that. He's bulldozing you on every hand's turn. He's elevating you above himself. If you say left, he's going to say right. He's going to make sure to be in opposition to you. And he's going to make sure that his way wins out over yours every time. He stood in his way, wouldn't even let John's letters get to him. He tried to seize the authority even over the person that many say is the pastor of the church that he dwelt in. Secondly, he elevated himself above even the apostolic authority of John himself. Can you imagine John sending a letter to a church and somebody intercepting it and tearing it up and throwing it in a trash can because they didn't like what it said? He said of Diotrephes, he doesn't even receive me when I come there. He doesn't want me there. He doesn't understand who I am. Listen, John might have been the elder in these days when he wrote this, but beloved, when the Lord called him, you know what, what his nickname was? He and his brother James, they called him one of the sons of thunder. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd hate to be the one that woke up the thunder and the apostle John. And here was Diotrephes who didn't even care to elevate himself above the apostolic authority that John held. Do you know in this day, this is the authority, in my opinion, that guides the church of Jesus Christ. And we have many, many, many today who say, I know more than it does. I'm just going to tear it up and throw it in a trash can and tell you what I think is right. 
That's that preeminent spirit of pride that exists in all of us. Diotrephe said, I'll do whoever, I'll do whatever. But ultimately, I want you to see this. Subtly, he's elevating himself above the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Do you know this word preeminent only appears one other place in all of the Word of God? And you know where that is? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. And you know what it says? It says that he, and that means Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, not started it, he is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. Why? That in all things he might have what? The preeminence. Beloved, he is first, period. And when we allow that spirit of pride to jump up with inside ourselves, it won't be very long before in your own life and in the life of the church you attend, you're going to elevate yourself even above the lordship and the leadership of Christ in yourself and that body. What a dangerous thing that is, my friend. This spirit of preeminence. Listen, today I'm going to tell you something, church. He's first here. He's first in this house. You might think you are, but let me just tell you something. He is first right here in this house. Whether you think he is or whether you don't, whether you agree with that or not, it doesn't matter because he is the head of the body, universal. And beloved, he is going to be the head of Trinity Affair of you, Baptist Church. I believe we ought to, as a body today, declare, Jesus, you are first. So I'm going to let you preach to me a little while. On the count of three, I want you to say together, Jesus, you are first. One, two, three. Jesus, you are first. Don't you think that blesses his heart? Don't you ever forget that he has the preeminence in your life and in the life of his church. What a spirit of, of pride Diotrephes had. That's his attitude. Check it, man. Check yourself. Am I Diotrephes? Well, man, do you have to be first all the time? Do you have to be in the lead of everything? I mean, does attendance in an event dictate that you thought of it and planned it or otherwise it isn't worth your time? I mean, do you have to be first? Is that spirit in you all the time? You be careful. It's that prideful spirit, that attitude of diatrophy. Secondly, I want you to know these actions, and I got to hustle. I'm going to turn on the gas, buckle your belts up, we're going to go. I want you to see the actions of the prideful. Verse 10, John says, When I get there, I'm going to call into remembrance his deeds. I'm going to talk to him about what he's done. You can look at the prideful and you can see some telling things that they do all the time. Check the company that they keep. He said, man, he rejects me. He tore up the correspondence. He don't want any of my suggestions. Man, the preachers that I send, he don't like them. So he puts them out in the street and won't receive them and won't help them. And man alive, here he is. The company that he keeps is very select and very few. And beloved, note this. He won't let anybody around him who might possibly call into question his authority and his place in the body. He doesn't want anyone of spiritual maturity, anyone of the nature of Christ, anyone of spiritual leadership, anyone one of divinely conferred authority who might threaten or diminish his position in the church. And that, me, is one of the actions of the prideful. They isolate themselves and they make sure everybody that's around them never questions them and never has one thing to say that's any better than what they have to say. 
You say, man, alive, pastor, I can't believe that. Do you know this even exists in the pulpit? Beloved, it does. I'm a pastor, so I'm going to pick on him a little bit. I can pick on one of my own, I guess. I had a guy, this is no joke, probably 20 years ago, tell me this. He said, Pastor, don't you ever bring anybody to your church that's better than you to speak in your pulpit. Don't ever do it. Pride. I don't want anybody around me that's somehow got more giftedness than me, in my opinion. I don't want anybody around me. I don't want anybody in the church that, man, that might in some way begin to diminish who I am in my authority. The company that they keep tells a lot. Didn't the old saying, birds of a what? Feather, they flock together, beloved. I'm going to tell you something, but I want people around me who know the Lord. How many of y'all here? Hey, listen, I want the best people in the best place, the most gifted, the most talented people here, serving the Lord with all they are. And man, I want to be at the feet of some people who are mature, who I can learn from. That's not the spirit of diatrophies. Secondly, not only the company. I told you I was going to go fast, so I'm going to keep my promise. I want you to note his conversation. Look at what he says. It's not enough that he does all this stuff. He starts talking about John and the words I love. He says he's, he's prating against us. Man, that's what he does. He prates against us. Do you know what prating means? It means to spew forth false or unfounded accusations. It literally means to blabber. It means he keeps saying things and he can't shut up. And what comes out of his mouth is never any good. And another place in the world... This, this same word is, is translated, could be translated and means tattler. That means he says things that he shouldn't say running around, telling every bad thing about everybody that he can think of. Man, he's prating against John. Look at the nature of his words. They're malicious. That means vicious, wicked, hurtful, degrading, and unproven words. Look at your conversation. I had a wise man tell me that the church has come to a place where they believe they can say anything about their brothers and sisters in Christ as long as they preface it with, well, bless their heart. They believe they can say any old thing as long as they say that before it. It somehow sanctifies it. Begin to look and listen to yourself. What is it that you say about people? Is it all the time something that's down and degrading? Is it hurtful? Listen, that's diatrophies, that spirit of pride that's coming out in your conversation. Beloved, I had a pastor on a golf course tell me one time, and we do this to keep others below us every time so that we can preserve that preeminence. You begin to talk down about somebody else, so it magnifies you. I was on a golf course some years ago with a pastor. He was struggling a little bit, I'll admit. And man, we played this par four. He had a tough time on it, and he was getting down on himself, mad, starting to kick his bag and getting red in the face. And, and man, I made a doggone seven on a hole like that. You should never make a seven on that hole. I mean, he was tore all the smash. And I was trying to help him. I said, brother, don't worry about it. I made a 7 too. He turned around and looked at me and said, yeah, but you're used to it. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, that's that diatrophy spirit, dude. Even in your jesting, listen to me, even in your kidding, let me tell you something. Whoever you say that to, that's been years ago and I'll never forget it. And whoever you say that to, brother, the devils will make sure they file it in their memory bank. And he's going to use it against them at every hand's turn. Look at your conversation. If it's downgrading all the time, if all you do is spew that stuff out of your mouth, I wish to gosh today you'd pray, Lord, shut my mouth. 
Holy Ghost, would you just shut my mouth? Have y'all ever prayed that? Sometimes I'm talking and I'm going, Lord, would you shut my mouth for me somehow right here? Would you help me to stop right here where I'm at? God, would you help me stop? We need to learn to pray that. You know what I found? The Holy Spirit usually convicts me before I ever say it. Usually when I'm formulating it in my mind, I know that there's something wrong with it. And man, that we would be so spiritually sensitive to say, well, Lord, I'm going to hold that for a little while. Man, your speech as a Christian and a child of the King ought to always be what? With grace. That's what Paul said. Seasoned, yes, with a little salt, the truth, but grace ought to be the hallmark of it. i got to hurry. Note their company. Note their conversation. Thirdly, I want you to see the control. Diotrephes was, in my view, what I call a spiritual terrorist. Are you the guy that sets the rules and makes sure everybody follows them? Are you the lady that knows how it's supposed to be done? And anybody that steps outside that, man, they're not just going to hear it from you. You're going to make sure they never have anything to do with that again. You're going to make sure you run them out of your circle. You're going to make sure you run them out of your ministry. And you're going to make sure ultimately that you run them out of this church. Because you don't need some troublemaker around here challenging who you are. That's a spirit of control. That's a spirit of haughtiness and pride. That exists in the diatrophies. He summarily, I wrote this down, began to exercise authority that he didn't rightly possess. Is there authority in the church? Yes. God ordains it and God sets it up. And beloved, what we do is function under the leadership of that authority. The scary part is when you believe you need to have the authority and you give it to yourself and you elevate yourself to that place of judgment and you say, I am right, everybody else is wrong. And that's not bad enough. John said, it's not enough that he doesn't receive the people that I send. It, he even goes beyond that. And anybody who does receive them, he excommunicates them from the church, essentially. Runs them out the door. I'm going to tell you whether you do that aggressively and openly, or whether you do that passively, makes no difference. It's the same spirit of control that's inside you. See his actions. See his Added actions. In short, he's saying, this is my church. I'm going to go back to what I said before. This isn't your church. This isn't my church. This isn't even my life. The word tells me when I give it to the Lord Jesus Christ, he says this, know ye not that you no longer your own, you're bought with what? A price. And therefore you glorify God in your body and what? In your spirit, which are his beloved. Diotrephes, the company he keeps, the conversation, the control. Lastly, I want you to see the assessment of John in verse 11. Look what he says. Beloved, follow not after that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of who? But he that doeth evil has not even seen God. Follow after. That means imitate. He's saying, don't act like that which is evil. Don't act like diotrephes. Just don't do it. Follow after that which is good. Imitate that which is good. Find you somebody in your life that's living the life of humility, service to the king, and follow after them. I believe Diotrephes is as lost as a dog in high weeds. Folks, there are in the church today people who are in places of leadership who have never seen God in their life. They're lost as dogs. Don't follow after them. Don't do it. And the haughty Christian in the church, man, they betray who they really belong to. They belong to the enemy.
and not to God. Pride, dangerous, dismal, and devious. But lastly, and quickly, I want to give you some ways that you can defeat it. I want to give you something practical today. Not just leave you down. I want to give you something practical. Pastor, if I see this in my life, what do I do? Well, the best thing you can do to overcome pride is to get up every morning and cut yourself a nice big slice of humble pie. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? You're going to eat it sometime. You might as well cut yourself your own piece and have it every morning because you're going to eat it somewhere along the way. I'm going to tell you that. And the best thing we can do to combat pride is to promote the opposite thing in our life, which is humility. Because you see, those two things cannot, I believe, coexist. You cannot be proud and humble at the same time. You might fool yourself into thinking you can be, but you cannot. So the way to defeat pride is to sow into that humility in your life. Three things you can consider that will make you humble every time. First of all, I want you to consider your significance. When you start to get a little prideful, just consider your significance. Consider your real impact. Consider how much you really have to do with what God's doing in this world. Consider what would happen if you weren't around. You know what? If I wasn't here, this church would roll right on. If I wasn't here, the plan of God wouldn't be thwarted. I'm not so necessary to God that, man, I have him over a barrel somewhere, and he's just wringing his hands hoping that I don't give up on him somewhere and quit. Man, i got to consider daily, if I want to understand myself and cultivate that humility in my life, I need to understand my significance. Things will go on without me. Ralph Kiner, he's a sportscaster now, but he played in one era for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He led the entire major leagues in home runs in one year. He had 37 home runs to lead the major leagues. At the end of that season, he walked into the general manager's office and demanded a raise. He said, I have led the league in home runs this year. My contract is not big enough, and I demand a raise from you right now, or I'm going somewhere else. And the general manager looked him in the face and said, I'm not giving you any raise at all. Do what you have to do. He came back at him and said, don't you understand what I'm saying? I led the league in home runs this year. He said, the manager looked at me and said, where did we finish? He said, we finished dead last. He said, I'm sure we can finish dead last without you. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm sure we can do that. So don't overestimate your significance, beloved. Look at who you are. Listen, it is by the grace of an almighty God that I'm standing where I'm standing today. It has nothing to do with me. And I am privileged and honored just to help him and his kingdom in some way, shape, or form. I marvel that he can use someone such as I. And if you want to defeat pride in your life, get up in the morning and begin to consider your real significance and what God is doing and always has done and always will do in this world, this universe, and throughout all eternity. Consider not only your significance. I'm going to help you here. Consider your size. Consider just how big you are in this universe. You know, this universe is a giant place. Man, when you get to thinking about what God has done and what God has made, Teddy Roosevelt said every night he would walk out on the lawn and begin to look up at the stars before he went to bed. And he said he would gaze at the constellations and try to pick out little bitty stars. He knew their names in those constellations. Then he said he would recite to himself this quote, And I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. He would say, Teddy, that is the spiral galaxy over there in Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. 
It is one of a hundred million galaxies that we know exist. It consists of 100 billion suns, each of which is larger than the sun that governs our very own universe. And he said at the end of that statement, I'd realize just how big I really was. And I'd go in and lay my head down and thank the Lord for how big he really was. You want to combat pride? Consider your size. Consider just how small you are. Didn't the Lord tell Isaiah, where in the world were you, son? When I laid the plumb line for this universe. Where were you? Where were you when I figured out how it would work? Where were you when I hung all the stars in the sky? Where were you at? Tell me. Remind me again just where you were when I did all that. Today you do well. Think about your significance. Think about your size. And lastly, you ought to think about your Savior. And when I begin to think about Jesus, just who He is, just how holy and just how pure, just how righteous, just how powerful, just who He is. And then I begin to compare myself to Him and I'm understanding just like Isaiah, whoa, 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 it's me. I'm a man of unclean lips among a a people of unclean lips. When I understand that the very best I can do, what does the Word say? The very best I can do is nothing but filthy rags beside His righteousness. And yet, He loved me and valued me and gave Himself for me. And that act of, of greatness and servitude and obedience when I consider my Savior and my relationship to Him, beloved, all my pride begins to ease into the background. And I begin to feel like John the Baptist. What did he say? Oh, I must, I must decrease and, and He must increase. Jesus said on one occasion, if you're going to be first, let me tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be last. You're going to have to become the servant of every man. You know, I feel a little sorry in some realms for Diotrephes. He's got to be the most miserable person on the planet. And I submit to you, anybody that operates in a spirit of pride deep down inside, it's absolutely miserable. I don't want to be that. Pride's dangerous, beloved. You'll fall every time because of it. It's dismal. Nobody wants to be around someone that's exercising a spirit of pride, proud of their humility, and excited about their understanding of theology and Telling you where you're wrong all the time and what you need to do to fix it. Nobody really wants to be around that. It's deviant. Once it takes up root in your life, it's difficult. It'll slip in. Man, it's difficult to eradicate, but it can be defeated. We need to pray, Father, sow into us that humility. It comes from knowing you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to yield to my brother Adam. And as he comes, I'm just going to read a quote from a president of the United States. You know, America, in some respects, is a 
maybe the haughtiest and the prideful nation on the planet. Most prideful on the planet. As Adam comes, I'm going to read to you the words of one of our presidents. He, re- he says this. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We've grown in numbers. We've grown in wealth. We've grown in power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings we have were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. We have become intoxicated with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God who made us. He said that of our country, but we could say that of our church if we're not careful today. Today, the best thing we can do is get into his presence and say, Father, would you help us? You say, who wrote that? A man named Abraham Lincoln. And those words ring as true today. as the day that he penned them. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to be humble? Would you help us to stand before you with an understanding of you are God. And there is none else. Use us, Father, today for your kingdom's glory, we praise you. For your sacrifice that made us worthy even to be in this house today. Father, we pray against that spirit of diatrophies in ourselves and in the churches. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, Visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.